All right, hey everybody, welcome to New Life. Glad to have you guys here with us. If you would, just go ahead and find your seats. That would be perfect. I would appreciate that. Thank you. Hey, listen, my name is Jeff Baker, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here. Uh, it's my, my privilege today to be able to you know, come to you and uh, just kind of share some time with you guys over these next few minutes that we're going to have together. Uh, we are one church in multiple locations. That means that um, we actually have three different locations that are meeting for worship live right now at the exact same time. So I want to say a big hello to all of those that are worshiping with us out in North Platte. Uh, glad to have you guys with us. They've got a very, very special day coming up at the end of this month, the last Sunday of this month. We are going to be celebrating our one-year anniversary in North Platte. And God's done some fantastic stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so you might want to think about even going out there and celebrating with them. It's going to be a great time. God's been doing, he's been doing some great things out in our North Platte campus. It's awesome. Um, as well as those that are worshiping with us down in the venue. So uh, I just want to say hello to all of you guys in all three of those locations. You're sitting in one of our four worship services today. Uh, God is doing some great stuff at New Life. Thank you so much. This is a holiday weekend and you're here so you might be a friend or a family member and you've traveled and you, you're here, you know, for some events or whatever. Thank you for worshiping with us. If this is your normal uh, church that you worship at all the time, wow. Thank you for taking a holiday weekend and joining with us here at New Life just to spend the weekend in worship, putting God first in our lives. Amen? All right. All right. Well, today we're going to have a, a life group kickoff Sunday. What that really means is that, man, all of our life groups, for the most part, <clears throat> they start this week or they start next week. And we want to encourage all of you guys to jump in and be a part of one. We don't want you to miss out on some of the best life that's happening here at New Life. You guys realize that coming on Sunday morning is not the end all. I mean, you might feel like, wow, it took everything inside of me to get here, Jeff. Um, this, this is like a big hurdle for me to get here. I got it. I understand that. In fact, if this is your first week with us, man, congratulations. Your second or third week, congratulations. But I do need to let you know right off the bat that Sunday morning is like spiritually, it's like walking ankle deep in a river, um, walking ankle deep in a, in a lake. Um, you know, the real fun is out in the deep end, Right. That's where, that's where the real fun happens. And in, in our spiritual journey, that happens when we're in community with one another. So this is necessary. This is vital. This is important. There's no doubt about that. We need this. In fact, the Bible even tells us not to forsake these moments together. Um, but we also need a, a greater depth of relationship with others. And so that's why today is our life group kickoff. We believe in meeting together in smaller communities. Throughout the week, we think that that's where discipleship takes place. We know that that's where real life happens. And we know that that's how we are better together. That's one of our core values here at New Life is we are better together. Now, we are better together here, but we're vitally better together when we are in a smaller group of community that meets in people's homes or meets in maybe one of our classrooms here at our church where we're actually getting to know each other while we're knowing Christ where we're growing in our relationship with each other and challenging and encouraging each other while we're growing in our relationship with Christ. So that's just part of the makeup of new life. Now, with all that said, I, I know exactly what's in your mind. It has nothing to do with anything I've already said. It has everything to do with why in the world is there a tent on our stage? So I know, I got it. Um, let me just kind of highlight for you why there's a tent. 
A few weeks ago, I, I, I took, or maybe if they were telling the story, they would say they took me. Um, but about six of us from our church, we went out to Colorado and we hiked a 14er. That means there's a few mountains that are out in Colorado that are above 14,000 feet. And we actually went and climbed to the top of one of those. Yes, your lead pastor in this amazing shape that I think I'm in. I don't know. I'm not in shape. But I made it up there, you know, God willing, and a couple of people kicking me and pushing me. It was awesome. But uh, no, we did this, and it was a blast. But one of the things that started to hit me while we were out there was some of the dynamics that were taking place in this group of men as we were on this journey and in this adventure together. And the correlation between what was happening on that mountain and what takes place in my living room on Tuesday nights in my life group was amazing. I mean, there was this correlation that was happening where things were taking place out there on the mountain. I'm like, this is what happens in my life group. These are the same dynamics, and we don't have to climb to 14,000 feet to have these same spiritual dynamics. And so I I thought to myself, when I get back to New Life, we have a life group Sunday coming up. I'm I'm going to share my adventure with you so that you can understand better the importance of a life group, the importance of having community with others that are on a similar journey with you, going where you really want to go in your, in your spiritual walk with God. But I also want to use this to motivate you. I want to help motivate you. So um, let's just meet the cast of people that I went up on this mountain with for a second. First off, we've got Chris sitting here, and then, and then there's me, and then there's Greg. Now that's three, three of the six, and that's us um, really, we're just kind of like, we can't walk another foot. We just made it to the top of the mountain. All right. So, uh, that, that's our look. And then we've got the, we got the other three. We have Tracy over here in the yellow. We have Craig, um, here in the middle. And then we have another Greg, Greg Schachterly that is at the end. These, these are the six men that we decided to, uh, go on a 12 mile hike that would cause us to climb an elevation about 5,600 feet. Now, 5,600 feet might not seem like a lot to you, um, but when you're up above 10,000 feet, 5,600 feet is a lot, um, and that kind of elevation gain over, uh, over you know, the 12 miles, it, it does kind of wear on your body. Not only do you have the altitude to deal with, which thankfully no one you know, came down with any type of altitude sickness, but you, also, you just got the terrain. You know, you're going to get up above tree level. It's very rocky. Um, it, is, uh, it is a chore to make this journey, to say the least, for a bunch of flatlanders like us. Now, we got passed multiple times by uh, fellow, you know, people that live in Colorado that live at those kind of altitudes, and they just ran right past us like it was nothing, you know? And uh, man, you just wanted to pick up a rock and throw it at them, you know? I'm just, <laughs> you just wanted to chuck them. You just wanted to, like, teach them a lesson. I, forgive me. Forgive me for that. But I mean, and it was just like nothing. They're just going up the mountain, you know, having normal conversations. And, you know, we're like huffing and puffing to get, our, get up there, right? We sound like a, like a bunch of trains going up there. <gasps> you know, we're just like sucking air. Oxygen is not our friend at that moment, trying to make our way up there. But one of the things that stood out to me was one of our core values, of how we are literally better together. We are better when we are on point and on journey and in our life when we are together. I can just say this to you for certain, that uh, there were moments on that trip that were difficult. And if I wasn't together with those other men, 
I, I could have just kind of said, you know what, I've made it high enough. This is far enough. This is good enough. I'm going to go back down to base camp. But because we were together, not only did I make it, but we all made it. Let me just kind of share with you a little bit of that journey as we kind of unpack why are we better together and why do we really need to all be in a life group? One of the things that, that's true around here is that we, we recognize we're better together because we help carry each other's load. You carry each other's load. I mean, when you're out there on the trail, there's a lot you got to carry. And you got to carry everything that you're going to live on for the next couple of days that you're going to be doing this journey. And Galatians speaks to us about this very issue in chapter 6 where it says, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Fulfilling the law of Christ. Loving your neighbor as yourself. But carrying each other's burdens. See, one of the things here at New Life that you should be experiencing is that in a life group, we should be making the load of life easier for one another. Now, we're not going to make people lazy. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about finding a group of people that will do all of your chores for you, come clean your house, cut your grass, take care of all your dirty work. I'm talking about the load of life, the load of life that, that gets heavier and heavier as maybe we have more children, or we change jobs, or the the season of life changes and our kids go from being, uh, you know, elementary to junior high and high school. That's a whole new change. Or maybe it's when all of us, all of a sudden our children, they, they graduate and they're out of our home and then we're on our own. That's a big change. You know, it could be the loss of a job. It could be a change in, you know, the health of a person. It could be all kinds of things. But what we should be experiencing here is that when we're in community with each other, in life groups with one another, we should be feeling the load of our life getting lighter. We should be reminding people that they're, they're not alone and that you're not going through this journey alone, all by yourself, but that you have others. Because so many times we feel like we're on an island to ourselves. And you know who put us there? We did. No one else did it. We tended to swim out there to the island and be there. See, life groups are a scary place for some people. They're, they're afraid of coming into a classroom or walking into a, a living room with somebody and being asked the hard questions and not knowing the answer to it. They're also intimidating because we like to be very independent in our nature, right? I mean, we like to kind of like be in control all the time, doing our thing the way we want to do it, and we really don't want to give up that control to anyone. And I understand that. I got that. But you do know that if you become an island to yourself, you have to carry all the weight yourself as well. And that becomes pretty daunting over time. You might be able to do it for a while, but I guarantee you, you hate every minute of it. One of the mottos of my life is, I don't really like to do anything by myself. I like to do things with other people. And you'll often find me with other people. Whether that's going on a hike, working on a race car, you know, even many times writing sermons or, you know, strategizing where we're going to go as a church. I, I love our staff. I, I like mixing it up with those guys. I like getting their thoughts and their ideas. I don't have to be the guy that comes to the table with all of the answers all the time. I just have to be the guy that comes to the table and says, this is the direction we need to go. Now, let's breathe some life into it. And see, in your life, I'm telling you that you will be much more fulfilled. You'll find more joy in your life. You'll even find more peace in your life when you're community with others where people are carrying each other's load. Some of the things I've noticed in life groups um, is that we carry, we carry one another's physical loads at times. I've known groups where people got sick and you know, the group would rally around them and bring the meals. 
I know in groups that, you know, people are, someone's getting ready to have a baby and they go into the house and they've literally, you know, decorated the, the nursery and painted the nursery for them and helped them out. I've known life groups where someone had a car that completely broke down and others rallied around them and made sure they had transportation. I've, I've known groups where someone was getting ready to move and so the group rallied around them and helped pick up the boxes, literally, and move boxes. So I know that we've carried each other's load physically, but in a life group, you also get a chance to carry each other's load spiritually. See, because it's in a life group that you really begin to understand somebody. You really get to know them. Then you can carry their load by prayer. And you can also carry the load just by standing with them and not leaving them. Carry the load spiritually by just reaching out with a phone call and find out how they're doing. You carry the load spiritually because you're unwilling to leave them on the trail, just to leave them there under the weight of their own load. You know, when we started our journey, uh, we decided to climb a mountain that we felt like we could be pretty successful at. Six men that are spiritual, we love God, so we climbed uh, Mount of the Holy Cross. We thought that, you know, maybe that mountain would be easy to us. You know, here we are, we're a bunch of guys, we love Jesus, we know what the cross stands for, so we'll climb Mount of the Holy Cross. I just need to let you know, it doesn't matter what name is on it, if it goes over 14,000 feet, it's difficult. But on this mountain, we started at 10,300 feet. And we had the journey up to about 11,700, 11,800 feet. And then we we're going to drop back down to our base camp, which is about 1,000 feet below that, 10,800 feet. So you kind of got the picture, starting at 10,3, going up to 11,7, 11,8, and then back down 1,000. In that first journey... We're all excited. We just drove all the way from Kearney. We get out there. You know, we're rip-roaring. We're ready to go. We met here like, you know, oh, dark 30 in the morning, and we drove, and it was just, it was a long drive. And by the time we get out there, we just want to get out of this truck. We want to get our gear on. We want to go. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I've been sitting long enough. Let the adventure begin. We start the journey, and we only got to go from 10-3 to 11-7, 11-8. That's not that bad. But when you're just trying to get acclimated to the altitude, and then some of us have packs that are like the size of a small um, like, uh, elephant that we're carrying, um, it, it becomes quite difficult. See, when I go, I like to, this is my pack, by the way, my Osprey pack, my 65 liter pack. Uh, I've used this pack on a number of adventures. I, I like my pack to be somewhere around like 35 pounds. Um, I, don't, I don't need a 50-pound rucksack like we used to have, you know, when we did, uh, you know, military stuff. I need, I need light gear. So over the course of years, I've spent the bigger dollars to buy the lighter gear. Because one thing I've learned in backpacking and backcountry stuff is that ounces turn into pounds and pounds turn into pain. And I don't want any pain if I can avoid it. So if I get minimal ounces, I get minimal pounds and I'm out there on the journey. So I got a bunch of, uh, you know, great gear, uh, high quality gear that allows me to go on a journey and do it pretty well. And every time I go, I've been buying one or two little pieces so I don't have to, you know, spend a ton of money all at one time. Well, not everybody that went on the, on the journey with us had that type of gear and or had done a, a lot of backcountry stuff. So uh, not everybody had light packs. In fact, one guy that I know of, uh, Tracy, uh, his pack... Man, his pack was like carrying a small elephant. I mean, that thing, 
that thing was heavy from the get-go. I mean, when it, when it went into the truck, the truck went, ouch, like that. It just, it, it screamed at us, like, ah. And then, you know, when you, when you try to pick that thing up, and you could, like, rip a shoulder of something. I mean, it was just, it was a, it was a pack, but, I mean, well, you need to know, Tracy, he's a tall dude. I mean, Tracy's probably 6'5", maybe, 6'6", I don't know, something like that. Tracy's a big guy. I mean, just take a look. I mean, he... He just, he just stood over the top of all of us. So Tra- Tracy was a, Tracy's a tall guy. And so Tracy's pack needed to be for a tall guy, I guess. And so he had everything packed in there and this thing was weighty. So we start out on the journey, right? And we all think we're going to conquer it, but instantly we slow down to a small crawl and we're trying to make this journey. And we, and we can tell, man, Tracy, you're struggling. You're struggling with the weight of this pack. Um, and it's just, it's wearing down on you, man. It's just taking you down. So one of our guys, Greg, Greg Schachterly stepped up to the plate and said, Hey, listen, man, I'll carry that pack for you. Wow. What a, what a great move. And they switched packs and they finished, they finished the journey. And that was a beautiful, beautiful sign. Now, now Greg, Greg was affected by that. He, um, Greg, he couldn't stand straight up anymore. Um, (laughs) But uh, that's just joking. That was just just a photo. He did stand straight up, but you did you did want to kind of lean forward a little bit because if you gave too much back, bam, you're out, man. Hundred pounds puts you right on your back. So I don't know how much Tracy's bag weighed, but I know this: we made it to base camp that day because someone else in the group said, "I'm going to carry your load. I'm going to pick up your load." And not only did they show them you know, the law of Christ by just showing them that brotherly type of love, but they literally made the journey possible. I was on that trail somewhere around that moment that I just was reminded of a passage of scripture. And it's back in Exodus, Exodus chapter 17, where the Israelites are following Moses in the desert and they get attacked by the Amalekites. And the Amalekites just come out of the mountains and boom, they attack them. And the Israelites, they regroup, and Moses tells Joshua, his young fighting warrior, get some men and go out into the valley and defeat these Amalekites. And while you do that, myself and Aaron and her, we're going to go up onto the mountain, and I'm going to hold up the staff of God, and we're going to pray for you while you battle. And so they go into battle, and as long as Moses held the staff up, they won. But if the staff dropped, they began to lose. And here's what happens in Exodus chapter 17. Take a look. In verse 12, it says that Moses' arms soon became so tired that he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and her found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands, so his hands held steady until sunset. Take a look at what happened. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army in the battle. Wow. Because two guys, Aaron and her, were willing to come alongside Moses and hold Moses' arms up, Joshua and the army won. I think that's pretty powerful. Sure, Moses, Moses knew what he needed to do, but Moses couldn't do it on his own. If it's not for these two men, Joshua and the army get defeated by the Amalekites. If it wasn't for a man by the name of Greg picking up the pack of a guy by the name of Tracy, we could have been defeated before we ever got started. And in your life, You might feel defeated because the weight of this life might feel too heavy for you and you don't know where to go. I've got good news for you. I want to encourage you, run to a life group. Because it's in a life group that over time we really begin to learn the true battle 
that we, that we each have. It's in a life group that we really begin to know one another. It's in a life group that over time, over time, not week one, not week two, maybe not even the first month, but over time as you get to know these people, you begin to discover that they are a safe place and a, and a group of people that you can actually confide in and a people that will pick up one another's load and make life easier. And you're going to do that in very practical ways. Like you're going to help each other learn how to raise kids in a godly way. Because it's in a life group that you can ask those kinds of questions where you can't ask them here. But in a life group, when you get to know other people, you can discover these people, man, they're raising great godly kids. I want to do the same thing. And so you meet with them individually and you find out about what's happening. You get to invest into each other's marriages. Because you get into a group and you find out somebody's got an amazing marriage and you want an amazing marriage as well. And so you start gleaning from them and you start modeling your life after them. Some of you as businessmen and women, you you make better business decisions because you're in a group with other people that you can literally ask those kind of questions to. And they might be able to help you and assist you and give you some advice that you've been needing and you've been looking for. They can help you when you're sick and so on and so forth. But, you know, to cap it all off, we help each other live a life for God. That's more important than anything. That's one of the great benefits of helping to carry each other's load is that we get a encourage each other, live a life for God. That's what it's all about. And when you're feeling like you're down and out, when you feel like you're on the trail of life and you're sitting on a rock with this weight on your back and you're not sure you can get back up and finish the race, it is super refreshing when someone comes alongside of you and says, let me help you with that pack. Let me help you with that weight. That's what you're gonna find in a life group. I wanna encourage you, find a life group, get involved, jump in, Today, this was in your bulletin. I would just encourage you, look through this. Life groups are listed here. Classes are listed here. Groups of people, men's groups, women's groups, groups for couples, groups for um, young adults, groups for college students, groups for high schoolers and junior high. There's all types of groups. There's a group for everybody. I wanna encourage you to get involved. If If you have our app, The City, by all means, go to groups on the city and search for groups there. You can find out way more information on the city than you can printed there. If you don't know how to get on the city, please see one of the people that are in our, one of our auditoriums with a lanyard on, and uh, they might be able to help you, as well as please call our uh, church office, and we can get you an invite to that. So that's one of the ways we're better together. We're also better together when we're transparent with each other. So transparent literally means that like a fabric, if you shine light through the fabric, if it's the right kind of fabric and you shine light through it, you can see, you know, kind of what's on the other side. And we are better together when we're spiritually transparent with each other. When we have an opportunity to let the light of Christ shine into our life and we pull back the veil and we go, look, this is who I really am. Now that sounds kind of intimidating for some of you. And that doesn't happen in life group session number one. But it will happen down the road. Let me just tell you something. You need spiritual transparency in your life. I would venture to say that your life spiritually with Christ is going to take jumps and leaps forward when you finally pull back the veil with a group of people that you can love and you can trust and you really let them know who you really are and what's going on. Yeah, I know it sounds scary. That's just the kind of church culture we've tried to create here, though. I think you guys have heard me many, many times up here on this platform pull back the veil and go, let's take a look into Jeff Baker's heart. 
Let's, let's look at Jeff Baker's past. Let's look at the things that maybe other pastors would just keep the door closed and I've opened them up for you. And I want you to feel that same freedom to do that. Not so that we can just, you know, spew our, our junk on one another, but because we need it, it makes you more spiritually healthy. It frees you up. And when you're freed up, up to be, you know, more like Christ, then you're helping others to do the very same thing. But it requires this transparency and it requires the right place to be transparent. Some of you have been transparent in the wrong place and it burnt you. Some of you have been transparent with the wrong people and it came back to bite you. You need to get into a life group, figure out if these people are safe, figure out if these people you know, are the kind of individuals you can be transparent with, which they better be, and if they're not, then something's wrong and we need to make some adjustments but you get into one of those groups and you can start really sharing what's going on, you're gonna find a freedom that you're not gonna find anywhere else. In fact, Proverbs 18 says this. It says, there are, look, I love how it says it, friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. I love how it says that there are, there are friends that stick closer than a brother. A brother, it starts making it real. It starts making it personal. I mean, a brother is family. I don't have a brother, I have two sisters. But for my sisters, I would do anything for them. We don't even live in the same state. We could go months and months and months without talking with each other. But if they were in need, man, I'd come to the rescue. But there's one thing I've learned being in the body of Christ, and that is you don't have to have the biological brother to want to like give the best. In fact, most of the time when the Bible talks about brothers, talking about a spiritual brotherhood, not just a biological brother. And one of the things that Kim and I have learned, especially when we moved to Alaska for a number of years, completely away from family, is that the brotherhood that happens in a church family, those relationship ties can go deeper than even natural blood relations. Maybe some of you have experienced that. And if you have, praise God. If you haven't, you need to. You need to experience the brotherhood that comes that brotherhood of friendship that comes, but it comes through the bonds of transparency. When we went on this journey together, we did a lot of talking on this mountain. Thursday, we hike in, we set up base camp, it gets dark, we wake up the next morning, we get our gear ready, and off we go. After a moment of quick prayer, we hike up the mountain. We get to the top of it, we eat lunch at the top. And then we make our way back down to our camp. We get back down to the camp um, in time to kind of take a quick um, you know, rest, because we all needed it, um, get, eat some dinner. And then after dinner, um, we went into a conversation that I'd been prepping these men for uh, throughout that whole day. I had asked them some questions early in the day, and I said to them, tonight we're going to talk about courage, real courage. And I want to know, who's the most courageous person you know, and why are they the most courageous? I want you to think about that today, because tonight I want to hear that answer. And then as well, on the flip side of that, I want to hear what's the most courageous thing that you think you've done. Now, this was somewhat of a setup because I was trying to help them think about godly courage. Here we are out there as men, you know, doing our manly thing, got our packs on our back. We're hiking up to 14,000 feet. We stand on the mountain. We conquered it. Some guys would go, that's, cur- that's courage. But is that really courage or are you just going on an adventure? I mean, what is real courage? I wanted to help them think about biblical courage. The times when you did something and you stepped out and you had to be a godly man even in the face of adversity, that's courage. 
when you didn't give up on somebody just because they burnt you or they stabbed you in the back, but you kept believing in them. That's courage. And we, did, we talked about this. And I, remember, I remember Craig speaking up first while we're sitting there on these rocks. We would just literally just kind of be sitting here on these rocks with this dirt in between. And we kind of came our, our own little um, like booth at a restaurant, except we had no table. Three guys on one rock, three guys on the other rock, and we're just literally that far apart from each other. And here we sit and we're talking with one another. I remember Craig beginning to share about you know, who's most courageous to him? Tears just come down his face. Here's these manly men. We just climbed to 14,000 feet. Here we are sitting there and tears come down our face. I remember as tears came down his face, man, I was choking him back myself. As he talks about somebody that just makes all the difference to him. And we went around and it came to me and Jeff, who's the most courageous person to you? And with tears in my eyes, I said, man, there's not a doubt in my mind. I know exactly who the most courageous person is to me. That's my wife. Because she didn't give up on me when she had every chance to give up on me. She didn't run away from me even when I tried to run away from her so many, many years ago. She never gave up. We had these moments where we cried together, we laughed together. We shared these moments with each other about when we felt like our most courageous moment was. There was a bonding that took place with that transparency. There was a brotherhood that took place there. There was, a, there was an investment into our relationship with each other that we're going to need in the future. Take a look at what Proverbs says about what you're going to need in the future. It says, a friend is always loyal. And a brother is born, what? To help in a time of need. One thing I know is that when we have these moments where true spiritual brotherhood happens, like in a life group, it's because you're going to need that investment. It's like a bank account that you're pouring your life into and others are pouring their life into. And every once in a while, you have to, you have to take a withdrawal out of it. That only comes when there's transparency and there's communication that takes place that is beyond the superficial. It's beyond those things. Now, we talked and we had conversations at other times as well. You know, like when we were on the trail... Um, especially when we were like going down because man, then we felt like we were good, right? It never happened. It never happened when we were going up because this is what we looked like going up. I mean, we're just face to the ground, huffing and puffing, except for this joker back here. What, what's Craig doing? Like, hey guys, he looked so easy. He was like a gazelle on that mountain. He just, he just pounced up it and pranced back down it. He was, he was uh, full of energy the entire time. Um, that might be because we snuck Mountain Dew in for him. I'm not sure, but... He had a little extra oomph. But you're going to need, you're going to need that brotherhood, guys. You're going to need it. You're going to need, there's going to be moments when you're going to be in the valley and you need others to lift you up. It's not going to happen in this large group setting. It's going to happen when you're in a life group with each other. So here's something you can do to be working, to be a safe person where people can actually confide in you, where people can be transparent with you. You got to work on that as an individual, not just as a group. So first is this. Right? Don't be known as a gossip. Don't be known as a gossip. If you're known as a gossip, who wants to confide in you? Don't be one of those people that's known as the lip, that, that, the, the uh, like loose-lipped person on Facebook. Don't be one of those kind of people. Don't be the person that's posting stuff about everyone else, especially the prayer requests on Facebook that aren't really prayer requests. They're really just gossip disguised as a prayer request. Don't do those kind of things because you're not going to be a safe person 
if that's how you're acting. Don't be harsh towards other people's struggles. Because the minute you're harsh towards someone else's struggles, they, other people are watching and they're going to notice that. And then they're going to say to themselves, I don't know if that person's going to be compassionate towards my struggles. Don't easily take sides, you know, before you hear the whole story. Don't just jump on someone's side just because you've heard one, one portion of the story. You've you got to hear the whole thing if you want to be a godly, wise counsel. So don't be that kind of a person. Be in control of your emotions. Be in control of them. Be a person that is consistent in your behavior. Be a person that is, that's forgiving. Be a person, and this is one that's really, it's been getting me the past couple of weeks. Be a compassionate person. I've been starting to pray, God, would you break my heart? Would you break my heart for what breaks other people's hearts? I need to be more compassionate. That's an area where I lack. I once used to take pride in, in the lack of mercy because I was strong in other things. That's a wrong, that's a wrong attitude. The right attitude is, how can I be more compassionate like Christ? So I can come alongside and I can, you know, really embrace people where they're at and not just, you know, brush over their problems and brush over their struggles. Being more compassionate is definitely going to make you a person that is going to feel and be more safe that others can say, I can be transparent with that person. And that's going to help you be the person that God's asked you to be. But lastly, just like the series that we just came out of, Forgotten God, be full of the Holy Spirit. When you're full of the presence and the power of God, God's going to give you the ability to love people right where they're at and embrace them right where they're at. And when they pull back the veil, you're not going to be the kind of person that goes, ooh, or that's gross, or what? I can't believe that. And then, no, you'll be the kind of person that wants to embrace people when they pull back the veil. Be full of the Holy Spirit. Strive for deep relationships, not the shallow ones. You know, deeper relationships are going to take more time. Deeper relationships mean you can't just have the same superficial conversation over and over again. Like, hey, how are you doing? Hey, how was your week? Hey, did you have a good one? All right. Hey, take it easy, buddy. You can't just keep having the shallow conversations when you have a deep relationship. Nor can you, nor can you stay surface with your life. You're going to have to be transparent. Go for deep relationships, not just shallow ones. Those deep relationships are where people are actually going to pick up your pack. They're going to help you carry the load. Those deep relationships are where people are going to help you finish the race. It's in those, those kind of relationships that you're going to find the brotherhood. That's necessity. That's a necessity for all of us. Because all of us are going to find ourselves in a place where we're going to wish we had a brotherhood. Lastly, when, when we are, okay, change of tone, when we are better together, life is experienced at its fullest. When we are better together, when we are in community with each other, when we're involved in a life group, when we're, when we're in that kind of a place where we are picking up each other's load, when we're sharing transparently with one another, praying for each other, encouraging each other, those kind of things, that's when you're gonna start experiencing life to the fullest. But for many of us, what we do is we live life in a, re, in a repeat of yesterday. It's like what we did yesterday, we just want to do today, we want to do tomorrow and the day after that. Why? Because we've conquered yesterday. We feel comfortable with yesterday. But I'm going to tell you, you don't live life at the fullest when you live in yesterday. If I would have lived in yesterday, I never would make it to the top of the mountain. 
Because going to the top of the mountain required a whole different set of circumstances and to, and to set out on a journey that, you know, some of us have never done before. If you just keep living in yesterday, it's comfortable, yes, but you get nowhere. Life isn't just about surviving. When you figure out how to live yesterday and you keep doing that day after day after day, that's more like surviving. Like it's boring. That's dull. That's a dull Christianity. God, God wants your life to thrive, to thrive and to thrive in a, in a powerful way where you're displaying the power of God's spirit and you're a community with others. But the only way you can thrive is when you've got others around you that motivate you, they invest time into you, and they encourage you. Just like what common scripture says in Hebrews. Hebrews 10 says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works. That's number one. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, number two, but encouraging one another, number three, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. What day drawing near? The day that Jesus is coming back for his church. And I've got good news for you guys. Jesus is coming back for his church. And we live in a day where we need to be motivating each other, investing time into each other, and encouraging each other along the way so that we can live at the fullest Be an attractive Christian. Be a Christian that's thriving in this world, full of God's grace and power. No, thriving does not mean you're going to have everything that your heart desires. Thriving does not mean tomorrow you're not going to get fired from your job. Thriving is you are full of the grace, the knowledge, and the power of the Holy Spirit. You are confident in who you are. You know that Christ created you, that you are a son or a daughter of God, and that you, no matter what this world throws at you, you're going to be an overcomer because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Amen? That happens when we're doing life with other believers that can motivate us because we're going to need to be motivated along the way because there's times you just want to throw the talent that spend time with us and that are willing to encourage us. It's, it's, no, it's no small feat to climb above 14,000 feet. Along that journey, I'd be lying to you if I said that there wasn't a moment along that journey where I thought, this is where I think I can give up except for I had men motivating me, except for time. We decided we were going to stick together. Nobody was going to run ahead. Nobody was free just to journey to the top of the mountain on their own. Everybody was sticking together as a team. We were all going to make it, or we were not going to make it at all. That, that's where we were at. 14,000 feet, it's up there. That mountain seemed a long ways away if it wasn't for the motivation of some of my brothers that were with me. If it wasn't for the time spent together as we stared up at that mountain at times and we said, man, it's still not getting any closer, but we're going to stick together. And as we encouraged each other, as we literally would pause and take a break and we would say, Tracy, you're doing a great job. Chris, you're doing a great job. Greg, man, we're making it. Jeff, we're going to make it to the top. We're almost there. And then we would set back off on our journey again. And man, thank God, all of us made it to the top And we all sat on top of that mountain, ate lunch, and took a great picture together. And a memory was made that we will never forget. Living life at its fullest because we motivated each other. We didn't give up on each other. We spent time with each other. And we encouraged each other. What a great experience. These things happen in life groups, though. And then you get to look out and you get to see things that nobody, nobody else gets to see. How many of you guys have been up on the top of Mount, the Mount of Holy Cross? One of you, I knew he was here, doggone it. No, I'm glad. 
Yeah, one of you, there might be one of you out in North Platte or down in the venue, but not many. There's only a handful of us in this church that have ever stood on top of that mountain and seen those views. But let me tell you some views that you can see in your spiritual life. You can see freedom from your addiction. You can see a healthy marriage. You might not see it now, but you can. It might be like a mountain standing between you and what God has for you, but you can see it. You can get there. You can. You can figure out how to live a godly life. You can figure out how to overcome the, the, uh, the sin habits that seem like they so easily entangle you. You can find a greater depth of, of relationship with Jesus Christ. And the list goes on and on and on. You can have spiritual views that you've never had before, but you're gonna have to jump into a life group and do the journey with others. You can't get there alone. No one should hike to the top of that mountain alone. I don't care how bold or how experienced you think you are because you never know what day you're gonna be up there and what's gonna be around the next corner. You just never know. Anything could happen. It's a dangerous situation. I want you to see spiritual things that you've never seen before in your life. I want you to find spiritual freedom like you've never experienced it before. I want you to reach the top of some spiritual peaks that you've looked at from a distance and said, oh, there's no way I can make it. I'm telling you, when you're in a group of women, women together, men together, or couples together, or whatever group you jump into, I'm telling you, you can start getting to the tops of some mountains that you've never been to before in your life. So let me ask you a question. What mountain is standing between you and God today? What is that mountain? What is the mountain standing between you and God today? And then the second part of that question is this. Who's going to help you get over the top of it? Who do you have in your life that's going to help you get over the top of it? And if you can't list a group of people called your life group, then you need it. You might list my spouse. Praise God for your spouse. And our spouses are going to help us overcome certain mountaintops. But I'm telling you, there's some mountaintops you're going to need something even beyond your spouse. You're going to need that group of guys. Or you're going to need that group of women. Or you're going to need a, a group with couples in it. There's a mountain standing between you and God. I don't know what it is. You do. How are you going to overcome it? I want to challenge you. Get a part of a life group. Today, our worship teams are going to come in just a second. I want you to end with this question. What is that mountain standing between you and God? In all of our, in all of our locations, we have altars that are in the front. And as the worship team plays, if there is a mountain that stands between you and God, and you want to overcome that, I just want you to come down to these altars, humble yourself, kneel yourself down, and say, God, help me to overcome that mountain and, and bring me to the right people that can help me achieve that as well. Fill me with the power of your spirit and bring me spirit-filled people that can help me overcome that because, God, I want to have spiritual views like I've never had before. I want to conquer some of these mountains that have been standing around me, keeping me in the valley of life. I want to finally overcome them because, guys, I'm telling you, there's a journey, there's a world out there that's in need of spiritual believers that know what it means to conquer the mountains of life so that you can help others do it. It's called discipleship. It happens in life groups. Why don't you stand up with me and let's pray. Father, I thank you that every mountain peak on this planet, Lord, you formed with your very hand and every valley, Lord, you pushed down in a depression with your hand. 
Lord, I thank you, God, like I did the day I stood on top of the Mount of Holy Cross and I praised you for the magnificence of who you are, about your majesty, about your, your kingship, about your lordship over my life. And as I looked upon the beauty of your creation, I stood in awe of you. And Lord, it reminded me of spiritual moments that I stood on spiritual mountaintops where you brought freedom to my life and you helped me overcome. You've made me more than victorious through Christ Jesus. And Lord, the times I've stood on those mountaintops, I've praised you in the very same manner. Lord, I want that for our church. I want every person in our church to know what it feels like to stand on a spiritual mountaintop and to know I didn't get here alone. If it weren't for the leadership of the Holy Spirit and those that gathered with me to motivate me and spent time and encouraged me, I would not have found this freedom. May we never forget, may we never forget, God, the freedoms that we've experienced in this life. And may we desire to take others on the similar journey to the top of spiritual mountains to view and to look out what freedom is in Christ, what freedom looks like in Christ, what purity and righteousness looks like in Christ. May you do a special work in this church. There's a mountain that stands between us and you. We're gonna be bringing those to these altars during this time of worship. Lord, meet us in that place. Meet us at these altars, God, and bring freedom to the lives of people. In Jesus' name, amen.